0: Welcome to this episode of Speak with Brandy B. Love. Today, our special guest is Jenny Sklar Gilbert. She is on Instagram at Bipolar Alchemy. And normally I wait to share tags, as you all know, until the end of the episode. But I think that this is really important because the topic today is going to be about her journey with bipolar and sharing her journey with the world. So, welcome, Jenny. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Brandy. Such an honor to be here. I'm really happy and I'm glad that it came to me. Your posts have been inspiring me so much. They've helped me, um, which I've shared with you a little bit. They've helped me to recognize this in people in my family and get them the help that they need. And also just helps me um, have tips and tools for when I'm going through ups and downs, even not being diagnosed with bipolar, So I would love to invite you to share whatever you want about your story, you know, whatever part you want to start sharing with. And then we'll just do sort of an open forum of asking you questions and follow up if there's anything that I think would be helpful to dive more deeply into.
1: Mm, Perfect. Thank you so much. I'm just going to let my story flow from the heart. I did not practice it. So we'll see what comes out. There's so much to... To share I just turned 39 yesterday so there's Happy a lot of birthday. Years. thank you. there's a lot of years to share about but I'm gonna try to reduce it to a couple of minutes. Um, so I was always different. I never knew what it was and I always experienced intense highs and lows but I just didn't know exactly what it was. Um, and I I experienced my first manic episode my last semester of college, which was really fun. I'm one of those folks. (laughs) I have the fun type of mania. I know a lot of my bipolar sisters and brothers have a really torturous relationship with mania, um, which goes into really scary psychosis and anxiety. In my case, um, hypomania and mania is really fun. Um, And it's kind of the euphoric, like just feeling on top of the world, wanting to sleep with everyone in sight, like doing these incredible adventures and things. It always ends in destruction. (laughs) and doing things that I regret. Uh, But in the moment, it's very fun. So my first manic episode was my senior year, uh, my last semester of senior year in college. It came um, right after a horrible breakup with the person I thought was the love of my life um, and basically what my mania looked like was sleeping two hours a night for five months or less than two hours a night um, and I, th- I remember pitying part of mania for me is feeling superior to other people in a way that feels good in the moment but is very dangerous so I remember feeling like I was god and that like who are these poor peons that need to sleep eight hours a day like wow must suck to be them um, and just i would ride my bike without a helmet all over the california coastline for like miles and miles and miles like not being tired ride down these crazy hills not worried about what happened um and then i thought this was going to be forever thing i was like wow i really evolved and turned to this magical god <laughs> and then anyone who has bipolar is laughing right now because they know it's not there's you know, the higher you fly, the harder you fall after. And so that plummet into like the worst depression of my life that followed after. My parents had been trying to take me to a psychiatrist that entire time, because they knew something was up. I have multiple people in my family who have bipolar disorder and schizophrenia. Um, And so they knew they knew exactly what was going on. But I just I refused to go to a psychiatrist. And so it wasn't until I got to the depression part where I was like, all right, like, I'll do anything to get out of this. And so I remember being diagnosed with bipolar when I was 21. And I remember it being simultaneously a death sentence and like the greatest relief of my life, where I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> that's me um that's been me my whole life I just didn't realize these like intense highs and lows where I was seen as over dramatic and over depressed but it's just been my part of my experience I just wasn't diagnosed until I was 21 um but it was the next really 16 years until last year it was really a journey of shame um bipolar disorder especially you know now ever since covid Folks are speaking more and more out about mental health. And I'm so grateful to the folks that spoke before me because it's being so much less stigmatized now than it was before. And in my like generation of being diagnosed, it was incredibly stigmatized. I did not feel safe sharing with anybody about bipolar. Um, I've heard people even saying now that they're like inventing diagnoses because it's quote cool. I'm like, okay, that was, (laughs) I don't know who thinks it's cool, but it was certainly not cool in 2007 when I received my diagnosis. Um, And I really just hid it from everybody for really 16 years. Um, The only people who knew I had it were my, my immediate family, like not even my cousins or anything because I was so I was so ashamed it was like this horrible like bee on my chest like the scarlet bee um and I remember reading about it like my first few months with bipolar my mom bought me this like big manual which is like one of the only ones available at the time it was called literally just bipolar disorder and big block letters and I remember I would read it like under the covers of my bed because I was even embarrassed (laughs) even though my family knew I had it I was so embarrassed um and when friends would come over I would like hide it in my underwear drawer along with my medication because i didn't want anybody to know. And so the next real 16 years it was something that i just lived through um but hid it from everybody especially in my depressions. I had bipolar 2. Um i've had manic episodes but i was diagnosed with bipolar 2 and i feel like mine kind of is in between the two, you know, it's, it's a gray area with all these things, but basically the difference, um, for any listeners who don't know, bipolar one has more intense mania and bipolar two has more intense depressions and longer lasting. So my biggest challenge with bipolar has really been those depressions, especially, um, which are really violent and scary and horrible. Um, and so for really 16 years, I hid it from everybody, even my family, um, partially out of necessity, partially because I didn't feel like they were supportive and they really weren't until recently. Um, And it was really fucking hard. It was really fucking hard to hide this part of me who is me from the world. And it really, I see now, looking back, it kept me from stepping into my power. The other thing that was going on that you know about um, this whole time was I had a really destructive relationship with food. Um, I grew up in a family with a really distorted uh, body image. My mom has anorexic tendencies. There was a lot of talk around like dieting and thinness. Um, And from a young age, I learned that my only way of receiving validation for my physical appearance was if I was really skinny, like too skinny for my body. And so from about eight, I thought this was going to be three minutes.
0: (laughs) It is (laughs) totally... It's totally okay. I almost said something, but I was like, no, we'll just let this Not three minutes. More like 30.
1: So I'll see if I can cut it down. So, um... Yeah. So for for many, many years, I had this horrible relationship with food where I would kind of cycle between anorexia and binge eating, dieting and binging. Um, And I see now looking back that my yo-yo dieting, horrible relationship with food in my body, like so many other things, exacerbated my bipolar disorder and made it so much harder along with having a drinking problem not sleeping not knowing how to channel this creative energy so that when I would be hypomanic have those you know manic tendencies I would stay up all night creating and then you know months like weeks or months later when I was depressed I would be completely depleted and berate myself even more for not having any creativity so um I started my healing journey really about seven, there was like a, you know, ebbs and flows, but really like intensely, I started my healing journey and spiritual journey about eight years ago. Um, I healed my relationship with food with the support um, of an Ayurvedic practitioner, which just completely changed my life. Um, And in finding a place of food freedom, where I wasn't dieting anymore, and just like stayed in this body and loved this body and fed this body, I was like, Fuck. I was like life is so much easier. I was like, this is really great. So that was kind of when I started um opening myself up to being a coach. And I knew I needed to help other people reach this place that I had reached with food. Um, and so after I was, I used to be a teacher, I decided to take a break from teaching. I became a flight attendant, which was really fun. Um, and after about two years of like having a really hedonistic job where I was just flying around the world, I was like, all right, I want to help people again. So I decided to, uh, during the pandemic, I opened my business as, um, a coach and I knew I wanted to work with folks who had a like destructive relationship with food, heal their relationship with food. So I started doing that. It was great. Loved it. Um, about 6 months down the road i realized okay a lot of these people who like everyone who was having issues with food is just lost and not on their path um which was my experience too and so i decided to do the soul perping purpose coaching class which is how we met um, where i was like all right i want to be able to support people heal the relationship with food in conjunction with finding their purpose because the two go together and during um our course i remember the leader sahara rose she talked a lot about you know your purpose is this combination of your gifts and talents um what was it gifts and talents your passions, whatever. And one of them was the obstacles you've overcome. And at one point she had us make a list of like, what are the things that you're most shameful about? And I was like, the top of the list was bipolar. And I was like, I'm never going to talk about that. Let's just leave that, leave that in the shame list. (laughs) And I remember thinking, I was like, this was, you know, over a year ago and I was like okay I'm gonna talk about bipolar when I've overcome it like when I've healed it <laughs> and at that same time um as I was like I'd been stable for so many years I'd been taking the same medication for 17 16 year no 16 years um and as I was like becoming more and more spiritual and more and more into the different healing modalities I was like I never had bipolar in the first place like this is like all you know crap that's fed to us by western medicine trying to sell Mm. us pharmaceuticals I was like I don't need my medication I'm fine so I decided to go off my medication anyone with bipolar is like ooh, right now (laughs) it's a common mistake with folks with mental illness you feel like you're stable for a while so you're like I don't need it so, yeah. um, I went off my medication and I remember thinking during our coaching course, like I'm going to start sharing about bipolar after I know that I've cured it. So like a year from now, when I still am totally stable without my medication, that's when I'm going to come out that I used to have bipolar and I cured it with all these different methods. Yay. <laughs> What oh, I can, happened. I can, what can actually, totally
0: follow that train of thought right, right? like it,
1: it, yeah and for anyone who knows who's like knows my story and read my post that's not what happened what ended up happening instead like so many folks who have bipolar and go off their medication it was a clusterfuck um <laughs> I became hypomanic a little bit manic spent way too much money um and I did this quote healing retreat um which uh, dislodged some trauma and then I immediately like sunk into what actually was the worst depression of my life it was really dangerous um I'm really happy I'm still here because I didn't want to be um and I was got very close to taking my life at various moments um in that time at the same time it was a really beautiful experience um Because my spirituality is so deep and um, solid that the entire time as I was like contemplating killing myself and all that, I felt like I was being guided by God towards something else. I just didn't know what it was. Um, And I remember multiple times during that depression asking like, God, like what the fuck? (laughs) Why why am I why am I this bad? This really sucks. Like, what are you trying to show me here? And I got three answers during that time. The first was you need to start talking about bipolar disorder. The second was you need to start working with women who have bipolar disorder, because I'd just been kind of working generally with anybody who wanted to heal the relationship with food or find their purpose. And then the third was you need to move to Montreal, Canada, which is where I am now. Um, and so it just felt like so there was something inside of me. I remember I started like a little bit on my it's Like, if you go back, anyone who was on my Instagram, you can go back and like follow the timeline of like when I slowly start to talk a little bit more about it. At first, I like said something about depression, like one word about depression. <laughs> I was like, ooh. Um, and then I kind of slowly started talking about bipolar. And then I just like erupted into this bipolar, polar volcano, or volcano where I couldn't stop talking about it. Cause it was this, you know, as a writer, as somebody who's really passionate about speaking out and the, the, you know, language, the fact that I'd never spoken about this huge part of who I am was just felt so liberating sharing about it. So and then I was like, "All right, that's it. Like th- this is the end here. Like no one's ever gonna want to work with me again. <laughs> like no one's ever gonna want to date me. Like it's over." And of course, what happened was the opposite. Like I remember one time uh, I po- I posted this like super dark post about death, like talking all about my suicide um, and how you know as a bipolar person you live just so close to death all the time. And then talking about some strategies I have for managing it. And this woman reached out to me and was like, I wanna work with you. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, And since then it's like, my business has just grown so much and it's been this beautiful experience, Um, yeah okay, that was more than three minutes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It was four hours. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, it was beautiful. It was, you know what? What, Okay, so many things, so many takeaways. One is, I love that you flowed so smoothly with it. And you do have a way with words. And you're, you're clearly willing to and I want to honor this so much willing to be vulnerable about this. And from hearing your journey and how long it just lived in the shame category, and then to see you open up like a lotus flower and willing to so freely share it. Once you got to that point of being willing to share, it's just like a waterfall of share. Mm. And I really do honor that. You mentioned, um, you know, the stigma, and my audience knows I'm all about this idea of destigmatizing things that didn't deserve to be stigmatized in the first place. its It was so powerful to hear the parts of your story where you felt, oh my gosh, I finally can see who I am and why this is happening, but also, oh gosh, like I think you said, I, I forget the terms you used, but this idea of it was like a death sentence, but it was also, oh my gosh, I'm finally seen. And the duality that can happen at the same time uh that book just i could visualize it felt like this big stamp like i don't know it's like you know when you get your passport stamped and it just seems so big it felt like the lettering on that book that your parents got you felt like that like this is fact now and mm-hmm. here we are um yeah and wow. it was
1: such a mixed like the diagnosis was so complex in my mind because you know i see it now especially like as i speak out about this and work with clients with it um the importance of just really honoring the gifts because bipolar it is and i really see this now is like it's fucking hard (laughs) it's not an easy thing to deal with but it really is a gift it's like i've been passionate about writing for many many years and after i was diagnosed with bipolar and i started researching more i was like I don't know what percentage of famous artists and writers are bipolar but it's a big percent. it's not it is not in correlation with the pot you know the the percentage of the population it's you know Hemingway Sylvia Plath like so many fame, Kurt Cobain it's just it's this overwhelming like ebbs and flows of happiness energy that just like, we have to be creative with it. And it is. um, So even, you know, back in 2007, when I was diagnosed, it was like incredibly shameful, but I had the little like roots of gratitude that were still sprouting in that time. It just Mm. took many years for them for them to grow.
0: Yeah, which makes sense. Um, In general, you know, sometimes we can have those little seeds, but you need the right conditions for them to sprout and grow for sure. And I got chills when you were mentioning the list of some of these other creator, creators and creatives in the world are lost at this point past yeah. for a variety of reasons at different times in their lives. Uh, but it makes me think, this is something that I ponder a lot is the neurodiversity and how important neurodiversity is. And how really, and this is about the gift part of it, really, is that it doesn't mean that it doesn't come with challenges and challenges that are exacerbated because of the stigmatization, right? Like if if you were diagnosed in 50 years from now, it's going to be a very different journey of pain and healing proportions than when you did or when somebody three generations before you was sort of, I don't want to say struggling, but definitely struggling um, and gifted with this neurodiversity. and I can see it with, you know, the autism spectrum and all sorts of things because there are, you know, people who I was thinking about back when I was, I don't know how old I was, but I think I was in the end of elementary school maybe, and I learned about idiot savants, quote unquote, which is really kind of not an awesome term. Um, or classification, but this person who had really struggled in so many ways of just typical, you know, lifestyles that are considered normal, and not atypical. And he could, he saw just once this bridge in New York City, and he was able to draw it with every single ratio, perfect. Everything was to scale. And he saw it once, To me, that awoke me to the fact that there's so much magic and that as time shifts um, in our evolution as humans, that we need this neurodiversity to change. And I have compassion for myself, of course, going through not being just neurotypical, but especially people on the more extreme ends of the spectrum, your story. Um, And I'll share just one thing about myself with this. Um, I was, it really spoke to me when you talked about going off the medication. So I struggled with suicidal tendencies since the age of 12. And I feel like I can say I did heal myself through through that. But I also know that I don't have bipolar disorder. And so when you spoke about like the going through the awakenings, going through the self-healing, seeing the different modalities. I can see why it's tempting to think that that heals because it can heal some things, but it can't heal the chemistry of the brain, right? So I really feel for that. And I love what that you've taken that from instead of being like, I need to heal this part of me before I can share this to this is me, I accept it, and I am gonna share it now. Yeah. Yes. Yes.
1: Thank you so much for sharing so vulnerably about your experience with neurodivergence and suicidal ideation. It's incredible. You know, I I do it all the time. I do it like pretty much every post. (laughs) So It feels feels like it's, you know, it doesn't trigger me at all. But it's in our society. People talk about it so rarely. So I just want to admire you and um, just honor you for being able to speak about that so honestly and candidly. You know, even if it is your own
0: podcast. (laughs) Thank you so thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And that's, you know, it's interesting the things that have come out on my podcast by other people sharing that I had never told the world before. And a little bit deeper of this, I remember I was about 21 years old and as well. And I told my best friend, who had been one of my best friends since I was 14, that about these thoughts of suicide and And really, most of my journey with it was that I just wasn't doing it because I didn't want to harm other people. It wasn't to spare my own life. It was because I didn't want to hurt my family. She was like, what? And she said, you don't, that doesn't have to be your life. I was so shocked because I thought everybody had suicidal thoughts. I thought it was normal. And that was the first time I started to look for the root in it. Um, and it took another 15 or 16 years to find the place where I did go through certain healing journeys and I was able to find the root cause and it wasn't chemistry. It was trauma-based. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes. Oh, uh, thank you so much for sharing. I think it's so, it's so important that you and you and I especially are having this conversation. Um, because you bring up such an important point. It's like, again, thank you so much for your vulnerability and candor. And I what's become more and more clear as I continue to do this work and continue to work with women with bipolar is I don't want to, I don't want to sound egotistical, but I am like. I am needed to do this work because I bridge the two. Because, you know, I'm like you, I've had this incredible spiritual awakening. I am a holistic wellness coach. So, like, fuck all these wellness practices, like the healing part, having a, you know, a nourishing diet that, um, I don't know if you drink, but I've really, like, I hardly ever drink anymore. All these different things, like making sure to get adequate sleep, making sure to do regular therapy and trauma processing and all of these things, Um, you know, so many different things, having an outlet for your creativity, having uh, supportive people to share your heart with, being in a community, having a connection to the divine, like, woo. These things are so important for managing mental, quote, illness or just managing life in general, right? And I think a lot of us who are neurodivergent or who have had a lot of trauma or a lot of pain um, are able to, quote, heal whatever you know was the root of that through those different practices. And some of us aren't, um, and that, was and this is where my work comes in. Um, and I'm sure there are other people doing this work. I just don't know who they are. Um, but if you are, please reach out so we can do it together. Um, but what's been so clear as this past year in my healing journey is all of these practices, you know, trauma, like trauma healing living a healthy, holistic lifestyle. All of these things are amazing for managing bipolar and making it livable. And like you said, we have different brain chemistry where I can't speak for everybody, but for me, every time I've tried to go off my medication, I went back on because it was categorically clear that I will kill myself if I continue down this path. Like, it wasn't a question. It was, I'm going to take my life if I don't go back on my medication, which is like, I see it as like, you know, as a person with bipolar, we're living in this like hurricane. We're in the ocean in the middle of a hurricane. Um, And medication is like, a buoy it's something to hold on to does it make the hurricane go away no but it makes us able to survive you know to have something grasp onto, so that when the sea storm you know when the sea calms like oh we can just swim normally and then when the hurricane um starts up again we can stay safe mm. you know and prevents- and prevents the waters from getting quite so turbulent in the first place but it's not you know i had someone reach out to me on my instagram yesterday and be like why do we get depressed when we take medication? I was like, that's a great question. Um, (laughs) That's a really good question, you know? And I was like, I hope someday the pharmacologist creates some sort of medication that completely eliminates depression, you know, suicidal depression altogether. Like, please, that would be amazing. I don't wish suicidal depression on anybody, right? It's not something that any human being should experience. And, we do. You know, that's part of the experience of living with bipolar is even when we're on medication, we go to incredible lows. For me, the way I like to see it is like, you know, a regular, let's say like a regular neurotypical man experiences. Is this video or just audio? Um, It's
0: just audio, we're videoing, but it's just going to be audio. audio. Okay,
1: so I won't do a little, a little uh, motion.
0: So, you know, a neurotypical
1: man is going to experience slight ebbs and flows in their moods, um, you know, or or even more drastic ebbs and flows in their moods. A woman, because we have menstrual cycles, we're going to experience more extreme, you know, neurotypical woman will experience higher ups and downs. Um, As a person with bipolar, we're going to experience much higher ups and downs, even if we take medication, and then if we don't take ed- medication, it's literally like you know cliffs and plummets after, which often result in death. I you know, think
0: super- this. I think this imagery that you gave, and I want to. I want to just pause to interject here, so that I don't forget like the ten tidbits that I've taken away from your <laughs> extreme knowledge right now. Um, I I like the imagery that you created and what came to me is that if you didn't have that buoy, when the storms get rough, um, not only would you be going up and down because you're still going up and down, right. If you're holding onto the buoy, but what I, the imagery that came to me as you were sharing yours was, um, like when you get in a wave and you get pummeled and you're just, you can't even see which way is up and down. Yeah. And so. I also want to touch upon this fact of you saying, I hope someday the pharmacologist can create a medication that doesn't have these lows. And it brought a, posed a question in my head of if you don't, could they make, could they even create a medicine where you don't have those lows, but then it also stops you from having those genius moments of creativity that you have. And how how that would look, or if you would have to sacrifice that, um, Mm -hmm. that creativity. And the other takeaway that I had was that these healing modalities, these different um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, these different practices that you mentioned, whether it's art or eating well, or um, meditation, enough sleep, all of these things that they're kind of like an additional raft that's tied to this buoy of the medication. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I love that image. I'm
1: going to, I might steal that. Feel free. (laughs) It's a gift. (laughs) I'll quote you. That's beautiful. (laughs) Yes. I love the image of the raft. It's like, just because it's, you know, and I think it's so important that folks with bipolar know it's fucking hard to have bipolar in general there's no it's never going to be easy right it's one of those conditions that it just isn't going to be easy and once you realize that there's some freedom in that of like okay I'm not alone I'm you know I'm doing everything I can and it's still hard it doesn't mean that I'm fucking up it's just bipolar is just hard (laughs) like you know and there are many different practices and mindsets that we can have that make it less hard and more powerful and potent and liberating. And some of those, like I mentioned before, when I was on my healing journey, when I and as I started stepping into my role as a holistic wellness coach and started just eating, especially I lived during the pandemic. I had a pretty sweet situation. I was like receiving lots of money from different sources, uh, including unemployment, and um, and I was. Basically, I was not flying. I'm a flight attendant on the side, um, and I was just living like incredibly healthy lifestyles, like living in Israel, eating organic fruits and vegetables, go you know swimming in salt water mm. every day, like waking up and doing yoga on my balcony, looking out at the Mediterranean Sea, like coaching in the afternoon, and I was just like, wow, this is. I was so 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 healthy and felt just I didn't I completely forgot about bipolar. And I remember thinking, I was like, I don't have it. I never had bipolar because I'm so stable and so healthy. Right. And that was one of the things that led me to go off my medication. Um, And for me, that's when we have a really healthy lifestyle with bipolar, we can get to the place where we often forget that we have it. And that's Mm. like my, that's my wish for everyone with bipolar is to on that healing journey, arrive at that place where often, maybe even, you know, if you're lucky, maybe even most of the time, you forget that you have it as long as you take continue taking your meditation and
0: keep up this. Right. Yes. So I love this because that was part of when I had that imagery of the raft. It's attached to the buoy. The buoy is the medicine medication. The the raft is all of this other stuff. Mm -hmm. And If the buoy gets taken away, that raft goes amok. Exactly. Exactly.
1: And I just want to honor you. Like you're just such a fabulous human in general, but I just want to honor you. Um, Anyone who is on my Instagram sees that I regularly go on rants. Uh, (laughs) I'm a ranter. And one thing, you know, I don't like, I'm not, I don't love ranting. It's just, there've been some rants that have been forced to come out. Um, with you know i'm a spiritual person i am very the things i love to do are like yoga and ecstatic dance and going in nature and that naturally attracts me to a certain group of people like you um who are also spiritual and love holistic practices and what i've noticed over and over again as i finally for the first time in my life start to be open about bipolar and even yeah, you know, do the really vulnerable thing about share that I like work with bipolar clients and that I have bipolar and all these things is so many people in your situation who have healed their you know, their neurodivergence um through alternative methods, are a hundred percent convinced that I can do the same and start mm. to criticize whether overtly or subtly, my need to take medication as a failure on my part that i'm not doing enough that i haven't practiced that i'm not living a healthy enough lifestyle that i haven't done enough trauma techniques and i literally had i went to the spiritual retreat here in montreal which was really great loved it made some friends um and i recently i recently wrote a post about this i was like walking um in central park in new york city with someone i met on the retreat and he asked like what do you do and i was like I'm going to be honest about what I actually do. I'm a coach that works with women with bipolar. And he's like, you have bipolar? I used to have bipolar, but I cured it with psychotherapy. Have you done psychotherapy? I was like, oh, <laughs> 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 I'm like, yeah, for 20 years, you know? And we just kept going back and forth. And he kept just trying so hard. He's like, how about magic mushrooms? How about like um doing ecstatic dance? I was like, boo, like I've done, I haven't. I've, I haven't done too many mushrooms, but... He was, you know, plant medicine. He just kept going on and on and on just trying to convince me that I didn't need medication. The fact that I was on medication was some failure of my part. Um, And so if you have a tendency, if if you're a spiritual person who has a tendency to do that, I hear you, I get it. I was kind of in the same mindset before I went off my medication, you know, so no, um, even though I rant, it's not against you specifically. Um, But I invite you to just understand that you will never understand what goes on in the person in the brain of someone who has bipolar disorder. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you did, you would be on medication too.
0: Huh, that's such a good takeaway <laughs> at the end there. It's like boom, hit it home, sister. Um thank you for honoring me for being open for me being an open person about this. And I want to honor you for for being willing to rant and um and, and doing that, even as this uh, pioneer in this, in this area of healing, because that guy could have easily gone into your shame and guilt category. He could have exacerbated the problem so much if you weren't marrying the medicine with the holistic healing. So shame on him without actually doing that, because I don't super believe in that, but kind of shame on him. <laughs> really kind of was irresponsible even though probably came from a good part in him it was really irresponsible because had he dealt with the depths of the depression he would understand how the shame and the guilt exacerbate that
1: absolutely absolutely and like the my series of rants are called dear well-intentioned neurotypical friends coming it's coming from a good place like he's just trying to help I get it no it's not coming from a place of like I want to shame her I want to you know uh push her off the cliff to her death like it's coming from the space of like look Jenny like but I healed mine through this and you know so you can too right um and the issue is that you know it did work for him. And that's great. You know, and a lot of people like yourself are able to heal, you know, what was ailing you through alternate methods, like, and who um, knows, maybe he was misdiagnosed. Exactly, exactly. And that's, you know, that's kind of been my takeaway um, with many people Or I don't know, you know, and a lot of folks, I have um, someone in my bipolar women's circle, who was stable for eight years before a manic episode came back, mm-hmm. you know, and so that's the other thing is like, yeah, you know, and I, I felt the same way again. Like, I, you know, I don't want to shame someone else and be a total hypocrite. I felt the same way. I was stable for years. And so I just assumed, OK, I cured my bipolar by healing my relationship with food and all these things. Um, and so I think it's just, again, a takeaway here, which I've learned over the past year through my like plummet into suicidal depression after going off medication is let everyone do their thing. You know, if someone is, is, if somebody is surviving or thriving with medication, great. Like my dad, (laughs) my dad said something when I was, I was like huffing and puffing and I did not want to go back on my medication. Cause again, in our, in the spiritual community, it is stigmatized to be on chemical medication, right? It's seen as like this failure of like what, you know, what's wrong with you? You haven't done enough trauma processing. And, um, and there's some, you know, there is some like pride in being living a a total, like chemical free holistic lifestyle. And I bought into that myself again. So I don't want to shame, you know, I don't want to just attack anyone else who feels that way. And when I was about to die and (laughs) realized that like, okay, I should probably go back on my medication. Um, and I was so hesitant to do it. My dad, my parents, first of all, were like, what the fuck? You went off your medication. <laughs> they were so bad. <laughs> I was like, Ugh, sorry. Um, but my dad said something that really stuck with me, uh, which was, Jen, there's no prize for being the most natural. And I was like, mm. that's really good advice. You know, like if you can live your best life without medication, great. I'm so happy for you. That is healthier for your body, you know, to not like be taking chemicals. Um, and for some of us, it's literally life and death. Like we are having this conversation because of my medication, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe someday, maybe there is some sort, you know, I'm open to the fact that maybe there is something that I haven't done that will heal my, you know, chemical imbalance in a way where i d- won't need medication it's totally possible right and if that happens great and it's how to describe it it's very dangerous when somebody who hasn't experienced what i've experienced tries to deter you know tries to like poke someone off um the buoy you know th- this medication because um We listen, you know, especially like those of us in the spiritual world, we don't want to be on our medication. And each time I've had somebody share this to me, like I I had another friend say to me who she had depression and she took medication. She hated the medication. It made her gain weight and made her depression even worse. And so she eventually went off her medication and felt way better. Right. And so she, given her experience, had a terrible experience with medication. And so she wants to help me, again, well-intentioned, have a better experience in life, too. And so she, you know, her feeling is, okay. well, I went off my medication. I felt better. So Jenny should go off her medication and feel better, too. And so we had this back and forth for an hour over, you know, hummus in Israel about, 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 you know, she's like, I understand why you're choosing to take your medication. I was like, it's not a choice. Like, we're eating hummus together, because I went back on my medication, I was going to kill myself. And she's like, well, uh, you know, just like, couldn't, couldn't conceptualize that a medication could be so, you know, helpful slash vital for me. And finally, I literally, I literally blurted out, this is in my last rant post. I was like, look, can you just understand that you will never understand what goes on in my mind?
0: I just, okay. (laughs) I'm going to be very honest here because we aren't, like this isn't going to be shown with video, but my body language is like visibly getting irritated with these people right now. (laughs) Like I'm super feeling triggered um and and understanding that that's clearly something that happens to me when people are being so myopic and i honor you for how understanding you are because i don't even know it's just i can barely fathom how somebody could listen to your story and think that it's the same as her story they are not the same story and she had a bad experience with medicine great, but your story is that you do better with your medicine. So why, it's just so bizarre to me, but I do know that this is because humans in general are myopic. They think from their perspective, they have a challenging time. Our species as a whole, looking outside, you know, it's bizarre, but it's truth. And um, the other thing I wanted to share with this whole chemical thing, with this... (sighs) The uprising of social media platforms, there's that whole thing. And I don't even know. I know there's a term for it. I don't know what it is. I don't care what it is. But the concept is, is that you, your life on like Instagram or Facebook is not your life. Like you're polishing it for the public. And I I kind of feel the spiritual community is like that too. And why I'm sharing this is because I would call bluff to the fact to 95% of the people that say they don't use chemicals in different way, eat non organic foods, use perfumey body lotions with chemicals in them, all these lotions, for example, just lotions alone, have so much chemicals in them. And they're marketed as organic and beautiful. And they're in (laughs) people's bathrooms, and they're just full of toxins and poison. And so who's to say, you know, I just I get whatever, this is my rant, because this is what irritates me about people. And it's just like good for you for standing up and allowing other people to because it's it's needed and and hopefully some of the people that hear your message that find themselves doing that wake up to the fact that they're doing that and that they're inadvertently judging other people under this veil of being quote unquote helpful. Mm-hmm. Just- done with my rant. yeah.
1: <laughs> I love the rant. Sorry for the really loud thunder here in Montreal. Oh yeah. Cause you
0: control the weather, <laughs> so right? Perfect.
1: I love that we're talking <laughs> about this anger and the, the skies are just like <laughs> roaring here in Montreal. Uh, it's so perfect. Thank you so much for your rant. I love it. Um, I think, yeah, it's so true. And as you were speaking, what came to mind is like these two people, these two, quote, well-intentioned neurotypical people um, who were diagnosed with, a you know, a mental, quote, illness um, during their low periods before they had done their particular healing journey, which did work to balance their brain chemistry, at least for now. You know, we'll see. Like, those people don't want to read my posts. Cause I shared it with them. Like I remember you know, this one of these people, I'm not even as I was speaking, I was like, Oh, I hope she doesn't listen to this podcast. And I'm like, she's not going to because she doesn't care. I love her dearly. She's like, we have, you know, we, we have great conversations about certain things. She's not gonna listen to this podcast because she doesn't want to know about it. Right. And I yeah. think on some level, there's people, um, this is this is a great next topic to jump into, um, possibly, you know, is one thing that's that I'm just I really want to just express my gratitude for anyone who's listening to this podcast and wants to learn about bipolar disorder because, you know, ignorance is bliss. Not, you know, not for a lot of us. There, there are a lot of us that just, you know, want to learn about the, the cruelties of the world so that we can do something about it. But I would say, you know, I don't, I don't know what percentage, but a large percentage of humanity doesn't, right? Because once yeah. you start learning, Once you start learning about really, you know, gritty, violent stuff like the brain I have when it's, you know, in the depressed phase um, and sometimes even the manic phase, it's scary, right? It's like watching a horror movie that's real or like a true crime drama, you know? And it's, you know, then you're kind of involved in that person's journey because anyone who knows my story now, like when I don't post for a while, it's like... kind of a pretty good idea that i'm not doing well you know like yeah you know um and so that makes you feel um not that you need to respond or support but it does encourage you know it does encourage you to feel like you know like you were saying about the people in your life who have bipolar right the more you learn about it the more that you want to get involved or feel like you need to get involved to support these people that you care about versus some you know I noticed like I was talking to my boyfriend about this last night um when I was ranting (laughs) I guess I ran more than I thought I did um but about how you know so many people don't ask how are you or they ask in a way that's very flippant um just as like you know, a gratuitous, how are you without actually wanting to know the response? Mm. I feel like that's like a typical American custom. I was uh, just like, going to say oh, that it's so American. Yeah. So American, like, hey, how are you? Okay, like, don't even listen to the response, move on, you know? Or like, we literally say it in passing, like, if you're, you know, in like a grocery store, you say it to the the cashier, like, hey, how are you? Okay, come on, like that, you know, like, weigh my onions, like, hurry like, up. Like, to, uh,
0: to be polite her- <laughs> rather than to be curious.
1: <laughs> exactly. And... And I was talking about, you know, and again, again, same thing, my mom is never going to listen to this,
0: right, which is sad
1: to me, like my mom, I, um, at first, I was really worried when I started talking about all these things on Instagram, I was like, what if my family reads this, and I quickly learned, they're not going to, and I remember thinking, like, how would, like i'm writing some pretty interesting shit here like this is like don't you want to know about your daughter like what she goes through and I, I was ranting to my boyfriend about this and he's like jenny they're not ready like they don't they don't mm. actually want they don't actually want to know because they're afraid and i was like oh, oh especially parents yeah it's like they don't want to know how bad it gets because that's scary, and then they have to stay up all night thinking about it. you know, so I just want to honor anybody who's still listening at this point, because we've been talking for a while um and is really curious to understand um the reality of living with a you know, with a mental illness because it's not easy and it's not cute um and I'm just really grateful for you for listening and for you know wanting to learn more
0: Hmm. That's so nice and and important and it's, I'm even accepting that receiving that because I don't, I am so curious and I know you're speaking to the audience, but it's like, I don't really honor the fact that that's something special in me. So, I mean, I'm not saying I I don't honor it. I mean, it's just not, it doesn't come to me regularly to honor that. So that really spoke directly to my heart.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I have a couple of questions for you. Um, I want to say one
1: thing that came up. Before
0: yeah. I was- so I,
1: I lived in El Salvador for a year and a half and um, I worked for this nonprofit that was influenced or or inspired by the story of Oscar Romero, who was this really a badass uh, Jesuit priest who he kind of lived innocently and in blindness to the injustice in El Salvador. And then something changed and he's like, his eyes opened up and he started seeing the, the injustice around him. And he turned into, you know, a fighter for justice until he was assassinated. And he had this quote that always stuck with me, which is once the light, is turned on you can never sleep soundly again wow and for me it's like I just again like you know not to not to <laughs> belabor the point of before but I think again I just like really just want to express for anyone who's listening whether you have you know if you have um if you are neurodivergent or if you have bipolar like I just see you, sister, and I love you. And I'm just like really honored to be in this journey with you. And if you are neurotypical or if you have a different um, neurodivergence than I do, I just, again, just want to express how grateful I am for you for wanting to, you know, let that light be turned on and understand this experience that I and 3% of the population
0: also have. So thank you. Thank you. You just, um, you just created some clarity in me of why I was ranting before, because I think I've spent my whole life with the light on. I'm feeling in this moment that it's worthy for me to have some compassion towards those people that are just, I don't want to say asleep, that's overused, but um, who just haven't, awoken yet to whatever that is that allows them to see other people as they see themselves but with honoring the fact that they're different Mm. giving so that that feels big for me the two things that I want to cover before we wind up here um wind up our call is you mentioned and I'll say them both at the same time and you can decide how you want to answer them um, in what order or importance. You mentioned about how if you weren't on your medication that eventually you would end up taking your life. And you mentioned it in this the space of um, the depressive part. You touched on this other part, but I you've touched on it a lot more on your Instagram. So I'm familiar with your story that um, when you're in your manic, you're making decisions that really could have done it could have ended your life. So I don't really know my exact question, but it's something about just the fact that whatever stage you were in, that could have led to imminent death if you weren't on medicine. And just if you wanted to share anything else about that. And the other thing is, is what can people, we talked a bunch about what people, neurotypical or not, Um, bipolar or not can do to better their lives and, and be open and be healthy and all of this. But what can people who are in the audience that do have the light on, but just don't know enough, what can they do? What tips would you give them to support other people that are in their lives with bipolar or depression or, you know, any of the other things that that can be Difficult to navigate when you're feeling alone and unsupported by a community. Yeah, poof. Those are some big ones.
1: Um, (laughs) I'll start with I'll start with your second question. As you were speaking, what came to me is you know your podcast is called Speak, um, and your listeners are listening. And for those of us with mental, again, I don't like to use the word illness. I like to put it in quotes because I think it. Um, And this will go to the second point. I think um, it is, you know, this neurodivergence is a gift as well. It's just how we choose to frame it. Um, If you love someone who has bipolar or so many other conditions, but I'll just speak for bipolar, the most important thing you can do is listen um, with empathy, with love, and just really just be there with love. I think that for, um, at least for me, I feel like that was lacking most of my life, especially as a young person, a young you know person who was newly diagnosed. Was I just felt silenced? I didn't feel like I had a place to share what I was going through. I didn't have people that wanted to learn, um, who wanted to go into those depths with me. And so, as we mentioned earlier here, you know, just just in the question before, it's not a light thing to listen right? It seems like the easiest thing in the world, but it's really challenging for two reasons. Just to actually pay attention to somebody who's sharing some really, like, triggering, potentially violent and heartbreaking truth of what they're going through, right? It takes a lot of courage to be there in that space. The human, natural human reaction is just to run away or to shut down or to find a way to numb it okay. um so my greatest like the greatest gift that people in my life have given me is just listening and being there for me um i wrote a post about this a few months ago about why saying call me if you need me isn't enough for your buddies with bipolar This is, you know, because as you listen to folks' stories um, and if you have people in your life that have bipolar, like really ask, how can I support you? Um, And for some folks, you know, like me who have been writing about this a lot, like if someone says how I can support you, I'm like, I have like a whole list, like let me send you a PDF, Like, like everything. (laughs) <laughs> let me send you a powerpoint like i got it i i know exactly what people can do you know because i've been thinking about this these topics and talking about them um and sharing about them for you know months and it's, i've been living with it for years for folks if you have someone in your life who is newly diagnosed or is kind of coming into that diagnosis um it might take them a a a while before they can really identify how how they can be supported, you know, might be a year two years, three or five year process um, and a learning journey to know how someone can support them. And so I would recommend just asking, how can I support you and being open to whatever timeline that is to learn. But if you're anything like me and I know Um, again, it's been such a fascinating experience this past year, um, in writing openly about bipolar. And again, every time, every post I do, I'm like, yep, this one, this one's going to be the one where no one can relate. (laughs) (laughs) this is gonna be the one where it's just Jenny Sklar Gilbert that feels this way at every single post i have like you know many people reach out like oh my god thank you so much i thought i was the only person who felt that way like oh okay so you know what i say clearly is the experience of, of many people if not most who have bipolar of when we get in or other folks who have depression even if it's not bipolar is when we get in those really 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 dark spaces um either depression, and mania in a different way, we are not going to reach out. Because the worst thing about depression is when we're in that space, the lies in our head are that we're a burden, that we're a failure, that nobody loves us, which of course, none of that's true. Like, of course, right? I know, I can literally make a list of like 100 people that I know love me. Like, mm-hmm. at least, you know, and I know that I can make that like, I'm feel I'm, I'm stable right now. So I could make a list of like 100 200 people who love me, right? It was my birthday yesterday. It was like, so much love. And like, I felt so loved, right. But when I'm in the depressive state, especially when a really dark depression, I can't think of anyone. I'm just my, my brain categorically goes to nobody loves you. And it doesn't matter. Like, intellectually, it doesn't matter. That I think, wait, like this person literally just sent me a message saying how much they love me. It's just, you know, it's illogical. And so I'm not going to reach out for help because I already feel like a burden. So I don't want to feel like more of a burden. But what you can do for somebody who gets into those places is for you to reach out and just send a little message like, hey, I just want to think about you. I'm thinking about you and I just want you to know I love you and I really care about you. And like, you matter to me, (laughs) getting emotional with this. Um, Mm -hmm. And that person may or may not respond, right? Because when sometimes when we get in those really dark spaces, like we just can't respond. But even if we, even if it's like, we're wearing like, noise canceling or like noise blocking headphones, when you say that, you know, there's a part of it that just like permeates into our being, even if we can't hear it. Does that make sense?
0: Like it, it does. And I think it comes to me when you're sharing that um, sometimes when I deal with depression, I, I don't, I want to be alone. I Mm. like, I don't want to be seen. Mm. And there's a lot of backstory about that, which I'm not going to get into, but it's where this is coming from is to reach out to say that and say, I understand if you don't respond, Mm. I'm not writing this for your response respond if you want to but I just really want you to know this and
1: yeah absolutely thank you again for sharing vulnerably about about your experience with depression and just opening up it's so important that as many of us do this as possible and sharing what works for you you know um and it's like anyone in your life who has depression mania whatever it's just some sort of you know neuro difficulties, like just ask them like how can I support you? Um and for someone specifically with bip, you know, it's like you just mentioned how you can be supported. For me, it's literally like checking in with your heart and saying like how, you know, all all most of my people are intuitive. They can like know what I need to hear. You know.
0: And and I like like that you I liked that you mentioned that some people might not know. I think that's a key takeaway. You might ask them what they want. Yeah. But they might not know yet either because it's a new diagnosis or it's just a new situation. Even for somebody yeah. who's been dealing with it for a long time. exactly,
1: exactly. Um, but I would recommend if you have people in your life that suffer from bipolar or that have bipolar, um, err on the side of of reaching out rather than um staying silent. Yeah, because it's you know when in doubt reach out because those like in this really dark depression that I went through this past year um there were some moments where it got really 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 bad and it was like in that moment always so opportunely like someone reached out like called and then left a message just be like mm. hey, Jeff, like I love you I was like oh, okay God doesn't want me to die again <laughs> <laughs> again. All right. I get the message, you know, and it's like literally just reaching out really can save a life.
0: You know, you remind me of something I wanted to bring up before, which is so for me, what click the switch for me and not again, like you, I don't know if suicidal thoughts will come back to me. I don't know. I just know it's been a few years since they have. And I know what flipped that switch for me which was realizing that it is such a gift to be alive and that mm-hmm. I have a purpose and yeah. it's a miracle to be alive. And so in the beginning, it was like a tempering out of it. I had to remind myself of that if it came up is like, kind of like, you know, <laughs> just pinch myself. Oh yeah. You feel this. So, but why, I, why I bring this up? Um, Cause I'm not saying that's a cure for everybody. 100% not saying that don't believe that don't think that but you mentioned about purpose before and I want to know um h- how you feel is it another kind of whatever extension of your raft that you are showing up in your purpose of helping other people with this has that helped your own journey yeah
1: Yes, absolutely. Yes, 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 and yes. Um, And I'm really grateful to the course we took on, you know, on finding your purpose and being able to coach other people through that, because um, for me, it's been an integral part of why I'm still here. It's like, even yesterday, you know, again, I can't speak for everyone, but for me with bipolar, just thoughts of suicidal ideation and death, whether, you know, whichever side of the spectrum I'm on, it's just, death is just a constant in my life. Like I wrote a, I wrote a post about this where just, you know, I have a great life. Like I love my life. I live in the best, like my favorite city. I have, I get paid to do the two things I love most, like travel around the world and coach my, my sisters that I'm passionate about. Like, fuck, I go like running on the mountains every day. I eat amazing organic food. I read amazing books. Like I write, like my life is the best like the best life for me and very often I think about dying like it's just part of my experience and you know yesterday like it was my birthday and I like went (laughs) like you know I was I was like running on the mountain it was so great and then I come down and I see these cars like I needed to cross the street and I see these cars rushing rushing by and I literally had to hold myself back And it just, you know, this is, and this is not like a one-time thing. This is like Mm. daily, not daily. It's not every day, but it's like very often. Um, And for me, what my purpose does is it's like a fence that keeps me staying alive. Because in that moment, like I, I know I have, like I'm doing it and I have, like I'm up to big things. The world needs me here. Right. Like every, every client I work with, I'm just like, oh shit. Like there is nobody else in the world that could be doing what I'm doing right now. Right. And that's every, every coach, every healer, like you are the same way. Right. Cause there, we're all different and we all need different people. Like the work that you're doing, Brandy, there's nobody else who could do what you're doing right now. Right. And that's when you discover your purpose and you really understand that, like, I am really needed for my people. And for me as somebody who is so like walks hand in hand with death every day, it's one of, it's not even just a raft. It's like, yeah, it's like, maybe it is the raft, you know, and all the other, mm. all the rules are like the survival kit and all the different elements of the raft. It's like mm. understanding that I'm, that I need to be here. And I, I, you know, I really do believe when I look back at all the times I should have died. (laughs) And there are a lot, you know, on both ends of the spectrum for me, like mania and and depression. Like, it's really a miracle I'm here. And if you ask, you know, any, any woman or man with bipolar, they'll tell you the same thing. Like, I don't even know how I'm still here, you know, because we're so close to death all the time the purpose, like understanding your purpose, whether it's being an advocate for mental illness and speaking out, they're so like, I'm just so grateful for the people who came before me and started speaking out about bipolar, and gave me, um, you know, kind of like, plowed the land so that I could start doing so myself, you know, prepared that, um, that garden so that I can start. Um, whether it's that, whether it's being a coach, whether it's being, you know, a nurse or a doctor or a psychiatrist and speaking about your own experience to motivate other people to, you know, start getting on medication, whether it's being a teacher, like when I was a high school teacher, I would always speak out about my depression, um, and my, my kids were like, what the fuck? <laughs> like my, first, my first day of every school year, I would, I would, you know, give my little PowerPoint about me, like, and talk, you know, I'm from San Francisco. I love plants. And they're like, <laughs> I love learning languages. And at the end, I would say like, and when I was your age, I suffered from suicidal depression, and almost killed myself many times. And one of the reasons I'm your teacher is because I want to be that teacher that I never had. That understands depression and can be with you if you're in that space and get you the support you needed. My kids are always like, oh, fuck. <laughs> 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 They're like, I can't believe she just said that. I can't believe she just said that. You know, and and the the neuro, the neurotypical ones were the ones who, you know, weren't in um, didn't under, you know, just didn't need that support. Like, you know, they were probably like, This this lady is like, what is she talking about? And inevitably I would have you know five to ten students over the course of the year like knock on my door timidly and come in and just be like can you help me I'm really depressed I don't know what to do because they knew that I could support them through it you know so whatever whatever your purpose is um understanding it is it's life-saving um and it's life nourishing and life like you know it I have like super cheesy but (laughs) damage that came to mind right now is it's like literally wings so that we can fly. Like we have this we have this really, really difficult, like these weights that are kind of um weighing down on us. And like understanding your purpose it almost lifts some of those weights and just allows you to to yeah to to spread your wings and start you know flying in a in a way that makes a difference in the world it's kind of a cheesy metaphor but that's what okay
0: i was already <laughs> going to say this and now i'm definitely going to say this because you said it twice it is so not cheesy i love that imagery i think it's super important and i like i i think it was nice anyway just the imagery of the wings but specifically when you said um and obviously the audience can't see this but um jenny put kind of like on her head and shoulders this weight like this weight and I could feel the weightiness and then I could feel the levity of the wings and the balance of that. Uh, I think that's so great. I, as we're, yeah, we're definitely going to close out here. I want
1: to quick thing before we close out. The other thing that I think is so important for folks who have bipolar is like really reprogramming ourselves to focus on the gifts. Because it's like society focuses on how we're monsters, how we're so, you know, and and just even the word disorder is. Like, it's so shameful, right? I have a disorder. I don't have a disorder. There's something. And so, what my work is as a coach is, you know, so many other things like focusing on the nutrition, helping folks heal their relationship with food, find their purpose, but also reframe bipolar as like, cause you can see it as a dis- disorder. That's what the world wants us to do. That's, you know, the mainstream view. But when you start seeing it as gifts and really start focusing on all of those things that come from bipolar that nobody else has but you, like, the most insane amount of empathy because you've suffered so much that you can go into those dark spaces, right? Like this, like ridiculous amount of creativity, when you can you can make anything forever. You could literally produce, you know, um, it just changes everything. Um, and allows you to step into your power in this really cool way.
0: That's so true and amazing <laughs> and inspirational. Um, I want the last part of what I want to lead into is your offerings, but before that, I just want to acknowledge that two of the shows I, I watched television is one of my healing methods um, and one of the things that I use to to say st- stable Um or to stabilize me, I should say, but I do it with a very particular purpose. Um, I seek out shows and movies that have the messages that I need, either for emotional release or knowledge in a particular space or time that I'm in. Two of the ones that I've watched over the summer have had a bipolar character, which I think is so important and really amazing. And i and what I'm seeing is and talking to you when you said it's 3% of the population is that's, a, that's a movement that this is becoming a powerful movement of normalizing to be able when you see yourself up there, when you see somebody that looks like you or talks like you or thinks like you, it really is helpful to encourage people to know that they can do things. And I'm sure that there are people with actual bipolar who are actors, um, but just having it be the character so that the audience as a whole is able to see it feels important. About you, I was hoping to have you share where people can find you, but also um, the type of clients you've mentioned, bipolar um, females being like your major Um, clientele, but also brothers and sisters. So that seems clear to me. I wonder if you accept clients that are feeling some of these highs and lows, but don't have bipolar, because I feel like you could be an asset to them, but that might just not, you might not have space in your calendar, but wanting to put that out there. And then to say, when you said about, you could write a PDF on um, how to help. Yeah. So I actually um I super want to encourage you to do that and get that out there because some people or even include that in your coaching because as people are maybe just beginning their journey they might not have gotten in touch with that yet.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, one of um one of the but- so I lead um so just to share a little bit about the offerings before we continue. So I lead um twice a month, I lead bipolar sister circles. So for women who have bipolar um to connect, we make art together. We share about a different theme. And one of the themes we did, which was rec- I always recommend um, or encourage the, the women in the circles to suggest themes for future circles. And one that was suggested by a participant of really amazing woman was plant care. And basically the same way when you receive, uh, when you, if you, buy a plant it has like the little instructions on how Mm. to take care of it how much sunlight it needs like whether you know shade how often to water it and so we did the same thing for ourselves how people can support us during the manic the hypomanic depressed phase it was really awesome I love that yeah it was so good I can't take credit for it it was (laughs) um but it was amazing um so yeah I work with that's funny I'd never thought if um the option of working with folks who experience the the extreme highs and lows of moods but haven't been diagnosed or um I would love to work with someone like that like come my way please um I primarily at this point I'm doing uh one-on-one coaching I have a couple of spaces available I primarily work, m- work with uh, women who have bipolar or as you said uh folks who experience those extreme moods and what my focus is as a coach is helping folks heal the relationship with food, because it makes a huge difference in making bipolar more manageable. A lot of us who have bipolar have co quote morbidities of um, having eating disorders or destructive eating, and it just makes everything so much harder when we have a destructive relationship with our body and our weight. So I do a lot of that um, helping people kind of through that journey that I went through of healing our relationship with our body and food. Um, I focus on helping folks find their bipolar purpose, step into their bipolar power. And I work with a lot of newly diagnosed folks um, in just kind of like being the coach that I wish I'd had 16 years ago, someone to just kind of usher, usher you into this experience and have you just really step into your bipolar power earlier and learn how to manage slash thrive from bipolar um, at an early, a way earlier age than most of us, you know, who were diagnosed a long time ago did. Um, I'm also starting a program later this fall called Stepping into Your Bipolar Power. Uh, it's going to be a three month program with a small group of women, just focusing on everything around that um, finding your purpose, using your gifts, um, and starting to create something amazing with your bipolar gifts. Um, and then I do the sister circles. So come join me. And my handle is Bipolar Alchemy.
0: Um, is IG the
1: best place for people to find you? Yes. I also, um, yes, that's the best spot
0: and it has links to my. Okay, perfect. So links are in there. I just really want to honor you. First of all, thank you for being here. You are an inspiration as a coach in general, the progress that you've made, the amount of offerings that you have is awesome and inspiring to me and just the work you're doing in this, um, in this space where people really need it. And there just hasn't been the Like you said, there were people that pioneered this and you're thankful for them, but you're doing it on a whole nother level now. So I just want to honor that. Really appreciate
1: you you coming. Thank you so much, Received. Uh, I just want to honor your podcast Speak for allowing folks like me to speak and folks like you and your listeners to listen to these experiences that again, so many people don't want to listen to, um, and just your journey, your open mindedness Again, it just, it means so much to me every time I meet another spiritual person who is open and understanding about my need to take medication. Like it's just, yeah, it's like finding a treasure chest in the middle of a forest. (laughs) Um, and I know that, you know, there's so many folks like you out there, but, um, Recently, it's felt like I haven't been talking to them, <laughs> so it feels just you know. So just your openness, your ability to you know be with other folks' experience, um, and just your sensitivity. And like I feel when you said that you your light's been on your whole life, like I really feel that, and I'm just so honored that you're in this work with me.
0: Thank you so much. It really means a lot. Mm. Again, this has been such a treat. Jenny, thank you so much and the audience for listening. We went a little bit longer than normal. I feel like this happens more often than it doesn't these days. When I originally started this podcast, I was thinking, oh, 20, 30 minutes maximum. And now they are not under 45 minutes and sometimes they go to an hour and 15 minutes, so 75 minutes, but usually it lands around an hour. That being said, when we're diving deep, it's important to just flow. And if you find yourself, I know this is at the end of this episode, but if you find yourself not having space, feel free to listen to these in two parts or four parts, whatever works for your schedule. We are talking about speaking about really important things in this world and in our human evolutionary expansion. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Speak with Brandy B. Love.